Welcome to the Man Cave. It's the Man Cave Football Podcast with Dan Gasper. It is the Man Cave Football Podcast, and I am your host, Dan Casper. As always, getting closer and closer to the start of the NFL season, 100 seasons in. Getting into week two for the uh, preseason. Not week three, unless you're the Broncos or Falcons, if you were in the Hall of Fame game, I, I guess. But uh, we're getting closer and closer to the start of the regular season here. But before we get to uh, to that, we got to finish up our top 100 NFL players of all time countdown. Now, remember... This is just my list. Nobody else helped me. Just my opinion. So if you like them, you hate them, well, you can just direct all that to me. Also in this podcast, we're going to be talking with Chris Willis, head of the research library at NFL Films, also an author. He's got a new book coming out about Red Grange. We're going to chat with him, catch up with him, get his take on some of the top 100 players of all time, his books, and of course, talking about his new book about Red Grange, which is coming out August 15th. So make sure you get your copy on that. That's where we're going to lead things off in this podcast is my chat with Chris Willis. And then after that, picks 40 through 21 as the top 100 NFL players of all time. My list continues. First up, though, Chris Willis. Talking with Chris Willis right now. Chris Willis uh, from NFL Films. Uh, kind of a, a jack of all trades, I guess, Chris. You're an author. You, you work at NFL Films. You're, you're the head of the research uh, over there. Am I am I correct uh, with your with your title from from your email there? That you, you kind of do a lot of different things over there at, at NFL Films. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I uh, sort of uh, fill in at any position. Uh, my. Uh... <laughs> Day-to-day role, you know, here is running the research library, but, uh, you know, I also edit a little bit, um, you know, working on Hard Knocks now uh, and some of the shows, you know, for this fall, uh, you, know, you know, doing research, you know, checking scripts and all kinds of stuff that, uh, that we do during the seasons for our shows. Uh, so if you ever need an intern or somebody to help, I'll volunteer to help you out, Chris, because I think yeah. that sounds like the dream job over there right now that you got. I'll put you on the list. <laughs> I can imagine it's probably pretty long right now. Uh, but, I mean, what kind of drove you for, for your passion for football history? Uh, how did you get involved in this? Um, that's pretty easy. It's uh, I'm originally from Columbus, Ohio. Oh, okay. Um, if you know anything about Ohio, just like, you know, Wisconsin and some of the other states, you know, we're football crazy. So I grew up, you know, going to high state games, uh, you know, taking trips to the Pro Football Hall of Fame, which I thought was the ultimate. Oh, I love the work there. So, um so my my schooling sort of when I was a physical education major, uh, thinking I was going to be a football coach, I was like, oh, you know, I'll coach it. And then the history part, you know, uh, sort of took over. Uh, my dad was a used book dealer, so I grew up in the sports section of my dad's store. You know, reading every football book I could. You know, my favorites are like those punt, pass, and kick libraries. Mm, if you're yep. of that generation, yep. <laughs> uh, you know, so reading all that, and then. Um, you know, going to, to Ohio State for sports history, you know, led me uh, to an internship here at, at NFL Films, and then that turned into a full-time job. So so a lot of influence from the from the Buckeye State, you know, and, and just being football crazy um, about the sport. So Ohio State actually has a sports history degree over there? They did. I'm not sure if they still do. This was back in the mid-'90s. Okay. Uh, it was within the physical education department. It was a um, graduate degree, you know, uh, and it moved – well, once I left NFL Films, it moved into a different department. So okay. I'm not 100 percent sure if it if it's, it's still there or they've done it. But some programs like Mississippi, I think Ball State, Penn State had sports history as as a graduate program. Nice, because see, I have a kinesiology degree with a history minor too. So maybe I need to go back to school and find that out and get that degree yeah. over there. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you've written a number of books. Uh, you got your new one coming out, Red Grange, which we'll talk here about in, in a second. But you you got quite 
the list of, of different books on here. Dutch Clark, you, you've got uh, about Jim Thorpe, Old Leather, uh, the man who built the National Football League. Uh, just quick question regarding uh, all the books that you had written. Which one was the most difficult maybe to research? And also, which one was maybe the most fun to research? Maybe you learned something that you weren't expecting with some of these books. Um, I would say um, the first one might have been the most difficult, <laughs> just because I hadn't written a book before. I had done a lot of research, and, and you, you write articles. Um, but I wasn't planning on writing a book. But I, I think the first one, Old Leather, uh, Noah History of Early Pro Football in Ohio, uh, was based on interviews with players and uh owners and executive and then family members because that generation of players and people who were involved in the 1920s and 1930s, now even the 40s and 50s, had started to pass away. So it was kind of difficult, like, oh, I want to preserve this history, which was mainly the reason to start writing some of this uh, material, was to try to find that oral history, that first-person narrative. And so that one was a little difficult because I didn't quite know what I was doing. <laughs> you know, you're trying to get the material and, and then, you know, sort of got better as, as it goes. Um, I would say the funnest, um, besides the current project, was the one I did on Joe Carr. Um, Joe Carr, if you don't know as much, was the second president of the NFL, which was, was the commissioner. He replaced Jim Thorpe, who only did it for one year. He was mainly uh, an athlete, you know, they used his name. But Joe Carr, who came from my hometown of Columbus, led the sort of modern version of what you see of the NFL, you know, as a business. You know, he recruited owners. He recruited, you know, the Rooney family, the Mara family, you know, mm -hmm. moved the game from the small towns to the big cities. So I had the most fun doing that just because, you know, it was, it was all, you know, a lot of it was new information and to put his story down that people don't know. People know, like I said, the Art Rooney's, the George Hallis's, you know, the Tim Mara's. Some of the original owners, but he was a, sort of the commissioner, the sort of president of the NFL, sort of guiding it. So that was probably the, the funnest looking sort of at, project. Yeah, looking at uh, the list, I mean, you, you go way back then, then you got the inside story of the 8449ers. When you try to come up uh, with a subject to talk about, is it just kind of random or you see something that's like, you know what, that, that would be a good story to write about? How do you, how do you come up with, with your different subjects or, or areas that you want to write about? Uh, that's a good question. Yeah, um, I think out of all my projects, the first idea I get is, first of all, do I, do I want to tell a good story? You know, does this have a good story to tell? And then two is preserving the early NFL history, early pro football history, and that's a big passion of mine. You know, I mean, a lot of people know about the Tom Brady's and the Peyton Manning's, you know, uh, and, you know, the Adrian Peterson's of the world, you know, Aaron Rodgers now. But those guys who started the league, who, you know, were all big fans of the sport, we were passionate about it, we planned our Saturdays, Sundays, Mondays, now Thursday nights, all around football, you know, where did it get its start, you know? So, Preserving that history is important to me and telling those stories that people might not know quite as much about. Uh, you know, the one exception is the book on the 1984 49ers because I grew up, Joe Montana was my favorite player. So that was sort of my modern tale of a, of a team I wanted to write about that, that went 15 and 1 and that won the Super Bowl, you know. So outside of that, uh, a lot of my ideas is, hey, can I tell a great story in, you know, looking at the sort of history and the past of, of some of these players, these pioneers that, you know, because I love the sport so much, mm -hmm. how did they do it, and why did they do it for pennies and on dirt fields and no TV, no you know that type of stuff. Uh, so that's that's where I get my ideas. So your latest book is on the Galloping Ghost, uh, Red Grange over there, and your, and your title of your book is uh, Red Grange: The Life and Legacy of the NFL's First 
superstar. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. How 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 tough was this to write this and research it? Because I mean, you're talking about the 1920s right now. Not a lot of people, as you were kind of saying a little bit earlier, not a lot of people are still around to to talk about Red Grange here. But uh, how, how difficult was it to research Red Grange and his history? Yeah, um, this started almost 20 years ago. I started uh, collecting. He's one of my all-time favorite sort of uh, football heroes. And so I started collecting a lot of stuff, you know, uh, about 20 years ago, and it just kept building and building. And the idea sort of came up because the NFL's 100th season was was coming up. So I was like, oh, you know what, that's a perfect opportunity. I've always wanted to, to do more research on Red, tell his story, you know, his complete story. So, um, so th- that was perfect timing, and so I ran with it. And uh, I didn't have as much difficult with this because Red was so covered or covered so well when he played. Like, he was one of the giants in the, in the Roaring Twenties, you know, with, uh, you know, Bobby Jones, you know, Bill Tilden, you know, uh, Jack Dempsey, and obviously Babe Ruth was – he was up there with those just – just as, just as big a name. So there was a lot of coverage, you know, unlike some of the other, you know, like Joe Carr and, and you know, Jim Thorpe, some of those weren't covered quite as well. So there was a lot more material. I'm like, ooh, I'm finding a lot of really good stuff. Um, so that helped in telling his story, you know, a little different than what people have done before. And and with the interviews, I got lucky. Like, uh, he lived until 1991. He, he passed away in January 1991 at 87 years old. So um, obviously – some of the players he played against weren't living, but you know some of the family members. He was, uh, you know, went into broadcasting and he went retired in Florida. You know, so some of them were still around to tell me stories of of how you know how he was as a person and, and, and what type of personality he had, you know, and that type of stuff. Um, so uh, no, I had a, a great time. I spent almost three years, you know, doing the full research and writing for it. Um, and I, you know, I'm hopefully people can you know enjoy you know, reading about the Galloping Ghost. You know. I- one of my favorite players of all time is kind of in a similar situa- situation with you. It was Don Hudson. I mean, I even named my son after Don Hudson. I, I just love that story. And one of the things I think, you know, with, with this modern age is, you know, when we come up with these lists of the top players of all time, you don't see a whole lot of guys from the 20s and the 30s and the 40s making those lists. And a lot of people say, well, you know, the game was different back then. This is a better game or whatever excuse they want to come up with. Why, in your opinion, should Red Grange maybe be considered as one of the best NFL players of all time? Well, I think you know it's always tough to compare eras, but I think if if you if you go into the research and you sort of look into of how the game was played and what they did in their era, you know, then you can can make it more of a judgment like you know some of those players like don hudson well don hudson was an elite performer in his era you know mm-hmm. so yeah he's not going to have the numbers as jerry rice or larry fitzgerald coming up or, or somebody like that who played more of a passing you know but if you do some of the research and you look at it, you're like wow he dominated his era he was the best at his position you know and, and you take all the honors like what you would do now, you would take all the honors, the awards, the championships, you know, did he do something different on the field? You know, did he change his position? Like you take those in consideration. You're like, well, you know, guys like Sammy Ball and Don Hudson and Bronco Nagurski and Red Grange and Dutch Clark, they match up in their era with some of the other players. So I think you should take that in consideration and not just say, oh, wow, you know, the sport did start before Super Bowl one. Mm-hmm, right. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, there's a whole, it's the hundredth year. There's a lot more than the last, you know, 50 years, you know, so. And uh, Red Grange, your book, uh, The Life and Legacy of the NFL's First Superstar, coming out on August 15th. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong on that. 
You have to ride around a corner, you know, uh, if Rowan and Littlefield's the publisher, you know, so you can go on their website or you go on Amazon or Barnes and Noble and it'll be there. Uh, so it's, it's going to be released here soon. And, uh, there's a, yeah, so you can sort of delve in the, the, the Galloping Ghost here at the NFL's 100th season. And for all of your other books, too, you, you can find them on Amazon and the same publishing website? Absolutely, yes. So if you go on Amazon, you know, you can you know, uh, hopefully you get a little discount there. You know, they always do. So, <laughs> exactly. Um, but, uh, but you can find all the books there, yes. Uh, so i got to ask you, because you're kind of the expert in this, what you, you, you're talking about the 100th season, the NFL's honoring the 100th season. I, I know the NFL Network's coming out with uh, their show Top 100 Players, Rich Eisen, Bill Belichick, Chris Collinsworth. I don't know if you had any input uh, on the list or not, but I'm going to ask you, if you had to vote for the top player of all time, Chris, who would get your vote? Ooh, okay, top player regardless of the position of all time. Yes. Um, my It would be... Uh, uh, a handful of guys. It's tough to narrow. You know, uh, I think that my short list would probably be Jim Brown, Jerry Rice, and Don Hudson. So those would be the three. Okay. No, no quarterbacks on there, huh? Yeah. Mm, that's a tough one. See, so tough. <laughs> you try to leave somebody out. And, so because um, you're a Joe Montana fan, you said too, right? Yeah. So is it yeah. between? Would it be between him and Tom Brady? Uh, I, yeah, and maybe John Unitas. There, there's. You know, maybe I group them of three, <laughs> you know. So, uh, but like I said, it, it is a tough to sort of pin it down. But uh, right, but just overall football player, yeah, I, I think it's between those couple. Good stuff. Hey, Chris, uh, Chris Willis from uh, NFL Films, also author of the new Red Grange book, Red Grange: The Life and Legacy of the NFL's First Superstar. Has a bunch of other books out there as well. So check them out, buy them. It's coming up on August fifteenth, uh, the release of this book. Appreciate the time, Chris. And uh, hey, let's chat some more again in the future, okay, bud? Absolutely, Dan. I appreciate you having me. Let's get at it, starting with number 40. Going back to the 50s and 60s with the Philadelphia Eagles, played from 1949 to 1962, linebacker Chuck Benarek coming in at number 40. Two-time NFL champion, 1949, 1960, or 1960, eight-time Pro Bowler, 10-time first-team All-Pro, 75th anniversary all-time team, 1950s all-decade team, played in 169 games one of the best linebackers uh, to ever play the game of football and one of the toughest football players to ever play. I don't want to say one of the toughest linebackers. I want to say one of the toughest players of all time. That's more of a compliment. Chuck McNary coming in at number 40. Number 39, uh, we're going to go back to uh, back to the 50s and 60s again here. Uh, we're going to go with Jim Parker from the Baltimore Colts, 1957-1967, one of the best offensive linemen, played tackle and guard, two-time NFL champion, eight-time Pro Bowler, nine-time first-team All-Pro, second-team All-Pro once, was a 75th anniversary team on, on the 75th anniversary team, 1950s All-Decade team. Uh, one of the you know one of the best offensive linemen probably doesn't get a whole lot of attention that that he deserves. But Jim Parker was definitely one of the best players on those Baltimore Colts teams from the 50s and the 60s, and that says a lot when you got uh, like Johnny Unitas uh, on your team. Jim Parker, one of the best offensive linemen to ever play this game, and that's why he comes in at number 39. Going into the 70s now, we're going to go to the defensive side of the ball, going with another linebacker played on one of the best defenses of all time. 
Looking at those 70s Steelers. Jack Lambert, middle linebacker for those Pittsburgh Steelers of the 70s, coming in on my list at number 38. Four-time Super Bowl champion, nine-time Pro Bowler, six-time first-team All-Pro, second-team All-Pro twice, Defensive Player of the Year in 1976, Defensive Rookie of the Year in 1974, listed on the 75th anniversary all-time team and the 70s and 80s all decade team. When you think about middle linebackers, obviously you think a lot about the Chicago Bears with Singletary and Butkus and, and those guys and even Ray Nitschke. But Jack Lambert was one of the best middle inside linebackers of all time and playing on one of the best defenses of all time. So Jack Lambert coming in on my list at number 38. 37 is maybe you know the name and you probably don't recognize, or probably don't relate him too much to football. Maybe just to overall as a general athlete, he was one of the best athletes of all time. You know, when we talk about best athletes. Bo Jackson comes up quite a bit. Uh, you, you could throw in, um, you know, two way players like Deion Sanders or, or or Tiger Woods, Michael Jordan, whatever have you. When you talk about one of the best athletes of all time, Jim Thorpe was one of those guys, and he was a big pivotal player or a big pivotal person in the start of, of the NFL, the pro football leagues. But Jim Thorpe was a back, back in the day, all pro in 1923, all-decade team in the 1920s. We're throwing it way back with Jim Thorpe. But one of the best athletes, but one of the best football players of all time, too. Played some baseball in his career. But I've got Jim Thorpe coming in at number 37. And obviously he did a lot of kicking. There's not a lot of film on him. There's that old vintage film of him kicking, and that's, Really only one of the uh, uh, films uh, available surrounding him. But Jim Thorpe, do some his, do some research on him. One of the best athletes, but one of the best uh, football players. But also a big, pivotal player in the start of professional football. Uh, so Jim Thorpe coming in at number 37 on my list. Got kind of a, a modern era guy, I guess. Modern era, if we're talking like 2000s, if we're really looking at that. Just recently, recently retired a couple of years ago. But he was so dominant on the field and was kind of one of those players that was placed on an unfortunate team, unfortunate circumstances, because he didn't really uh, have a whole lot of success uh, on his teams. But he was clearly the best player on his team for a very long time, one of the best players in NFL history. Joe Thomas, offensive tackle, Cleveland Browns, coming in at number 36, 36 for me on this list, 10-time Pro Bowler. Seven-time All-Pro first team, two-time second team All-Pro. Joe Thomas doesn't get maybe a whole lot of credit. We pay a little bit more attention to him here in Wisconsin because he's a Badger uh, and all that. But I think he was the best left tackle during his playing time in the NFL. Doesn't get a lot of attention because of the horrible Cleveland Browns teams that he played on. But he was Mr. Reliable, played uh, a bunch of snaps for the Cleveland Browns. I think he's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, and I think he's one of the best offensive linemen, offensive tackles in the history of the NFL. So Joe Thomas coming in at number 36 on my list. Number 35, a little bit of a controversial player during his time, but there was no controversy surrounding his talent when he was on the field. Pro Football Hall of Famer and one of the best wide receivers to ever play the game, Randy Moss coming in at number 35 on my list. Six-time Pro Bowler, four-time first-team All-Pro. Led the NFL in receiving touchdowns five times 
the freak himself, uh, when he was on and he was committed and he was in his prime, best wide receiver in the game. Best wide receiver in the game. One-handed catches, beating you down uh, the sideline, out-jumping you. The most dominant wide receiver during his playing career uh, in the late 90s, early to, to mid-2000s right there. So Randy Moss uh, on top of a bunch of lists in the top five in receiving categories. Uh, first uh, ballot Hall of Famer, Randy Moss. I get uh, he had some off-the-field stuff. And even you know on-the-field stuff, I guess you, you kind of look at, too, where he you know maybe took some plays off here there, as he said. But when he was committed and when he was on, he was clearly uh, the best wide receiver in the game, obviously. Long-time Minnesota Viking. He'll be remembered for Minnesota Viking mostly. But what he did with Tom Brady and the New England Patriots in 07 was pretty dominant too. So Randy Moss coming in at number 35 on my list. Number 34, we're going to go with the NFL's all-time leading rusher, Emmett Smith, coming in at number 34 on my list. Three-time Super Bowl champion, Super Bowl MVP, eight-time Pro Bowler, four-time first-team All-Pro, second-team All-Pro once, and was the most valuable player once in his career in 1993. Uh, Emmitt Smith, the all-time leading rusher, uh, played on those dominant Dallas Cowboy teams, and if you're thinking, okay, if he's the all-time leading rusher, how is he like 34 on your list, Dan, and not top 10, top 15, or top 20? And I kind of put him down a little bit, maybe for the same reason as teammates uh, Troy Aikman. Overall, that team was just dominant, and that offensive line was one of the best offensive lines in NFL history. So Emmitt Smith had that luxury a little bit to run behind that offensive line, but at the same time, you still need a pretty dang good running back to take advantage uh, of that offensive line. And Emmitt Smith was definitely one of the best running backs to ever play the game, but well, let's be honest here. Let's be a little bit real. He did benefit from having a very good offensive line, a good quarterback behind him with Michael Irvin playing wide receiver too. So he benefited from that. And, you know, defense has paid a lot of attention to Emmett Smith, but they had to account for other uh, players on the field too. But nonetheless, Emmett Smith comes in on my list at number 34. Number 33 on the list, we're going to go back to the defensive side of the ball, and we're going to go Dick Knight Train Lane. Cornerback for the Rams, a little bit with the Cardinals and the Detroit Lions, seven-time Pro Bowler, seven-time first-team All-Pro, led the NFL in interceptions twice, NFL record 14 interceptions in a single season, named to the 1950s All-Decade team and the 75th anniversary All-Time team. Just uh, one of those guys that you did not want to get hit by. Uh, back in the day, but uh, Dick Knight Trenton Lane, I don't know if he would be able to play in today's game because he was so physical as, as a cornerback, one of the more, uh, I guess you could say, dangerous players in the game because you feared him so much as a cornerback, so physical and so tough at, at that position, gave wide receivers fits all throughout his career. But uh, Dick Knight Train Lane, with, uh, with 68 career interceptions and six touchdowns, Coming in on my list at number 33. We're going to stick with the defensive side at number 32. We're going to look at a defensive tackle. Merlin Olsen, Los Angeles Rams, 1962 to 1976. Coming in at number 32 on my list. 14-time Pro Bowler, uh, five-time first-team All-Pro, three-time second-team All-Pro, listed on the 70s and the 60s All-Decade team, and the 75th anniversary all-time team. One of the best defensive linemen, defensive tackles, 
to have ever played the game, spent the uh, spent his whole career with the Rams. He comes in at number 32 on my list. Merlin Olson, defensive tackle, number 74 for the Rams. Sticking on the defensive line, uh, we're going to go uh, at number 31, the NFL's all-time sack leader, Bruce Smith, coming in at number 31. Remember him with the Buffalo Bills, finished up his career with the Washington Redskins, 11-time Pro Bowler, 8-time first-team All-Pro, Second, or excuse me, two-time second-team All-Pro, was the NFL Defensive Player of the Year winner three times, 1990, 1993, 1996, uh, 80s All-Decade Team, 90s All-Decade Team, finished up his career with 200 sacks. 200 sacks, uh, forced 43 fumbles, and had 1,225 tackles. So coming in at uh, number 31 on my list is the NFL's all-time sack leader, Bruce Smith. You think you think that record's going to be broke, 200 career sacks? I think it's going to be broke, and I think it's going to be by a guy that's playing right now. Uh, you can have your choice. I, I don't know if J.J. Watt's got enough left uh, to maybe catch him. Aaron Donald, he plays defensive tackle. Could it be Von Miller, Khalil Mack with, with those outside linebackers in today's game? I think... You know, when you look at those records, I think Bruce Smith's sack record is going to be broken. I think it's going to be by a guy that's playing right now. Uh, coming in now, we're we're, we're going to be uh, at number thirty. Going to go defensive tackle, so staying on the defensive line with this one, Bob Lilly, and maybe another guy that doesn't get a whole lot of attention, uh, but Dallas Cowboy great Bob Lilly coming in at number thirty for me. Eleven-time Pro Bowler, seven-time first-team All-Pro. Two-time second-team All-Pro, was listed to the 75th anniversary all-time team, 60s and 70s all-decade team, played in 196 games uh, for the Dallas Cowboys. And remember, with with a lot of these defensive linemen, defensive tackles, or or just defensive players in general, they didn't start keeping sacks until like the 80s. So, I mean, these guys that played in the 60s and 70s, there's not uh, accurate numbers surrounding their sack numbers. So that's where you, you you don't see a whole lot of those. But Bob Lilly was one of the easily best defensive tackles and most dominant defensive tackles in the game during his playing career. So that's why he lands at number 30 on my list. So before we uh, start in with the 20s at number 29, let's recap 40 through 30. At number 40, Chuck Bitnarek. Number 39, Jim Parker. Number 38, Jack Lambert. Number 37, Jim Thorpe. Number 36, Joe Thomas, offensive lineman. Number 35, Randy Moss. Number 34, Emmett Smith. Number 33, Dick Night Train Lane. Number 32, Merlin Olson. Number 31, Bruce Smith. And at number 30, defensive tackle for the Dallas Cowboys, Bob Lilly. Coming in at number 29 is another player that used to play for the Dallas Cowboys, Primetime himself, Deion Sanders. One of the best corners to ever play the game, one of the best defensive players to ever play the game, and definitely one of the biggest personalities to ever play the game. Deion Sanders, two-time Super Bowl champion, eight-time Pro Bowler, eight-time first team, defensive player of the year in 1994, 90s all-decade team, uh, finishing up his career with 53 interceptions, uh, 10 defensive touchdowns, nine return touchdowns, was a threat uh, on special teams, returning kicks as well. Got a little offensive playing time as well, uh, getting three receiving touchdowns. So you may be looking at the interception 53. That's it for Deion Sanders. Well, they they avoided him quite a bit too. 
uh, when you got a lockdown corner like Deion Sanders, you're not going to be throwing the ball to him too many times. Now, the big knock on Deion was, well, did he like to tackle? And, you know, I'm a big Deion guy, and I'll admit he didn't like to tackle too much, but uh, Deion was still a big threat on the field. If he was uh, covering your receiver, good luck throwing the ball against him, and maybe you kind of avoided him more times than not. But Deion Sanders coming in on my list at number 29. 28 on my list. Going to go with a running back that didn't have a, a long playing career, but when he was playing, it was pretty dynamic and kind of maybe one of those what-ifs if he would have played a little bit longer. But uh, injuries kind of uh, uh, you know derailed his playing career there a little bit. But Gale Sayers coming in on my list. Uh, Chicago Bears running back 1965 to 1971. Four-time Pro Bowler. Five-time first-team All-Pro. Uh, led the NFL in rushing twice. 60s All-Decade team. 75th All-Anniversary team. Uh, that just kind of tells you how he was perceived. Even though he only played uh, from 65 to 71, he's still viewed as one of the best players of all time. Uh, 39 rushing touchdowns, 8 return touchdowns, was also a threat with special teams, just under 5,000 rushing yards. But, you know, a lot of the talk, especially when it comes up with the Pro Football Hall of Fame, you know, uh, Davis got in a few years ago. Tony Baselli is one of those guys now is, you know, do you, do those guys, are they Pro Football Hall of Fame worthy? Because even though they had short playing careers, whether it was due to injury or whatnot, I mean, Gale Sayers, you can look at Gale Sayers. If a guy's dominant, if a guy's dominant, he's a dang good football player, well, then, yeah, he's a Hall of Famer. And you can look at Gale Sayers as the perfect example of that. Uh, didn't play that long, but was absolutely dominant when he was on the field. Uh, so I got him coming in at number 28 on my list. 27, sticking with the offensive side, but we're going to go with quarterback and a quarterback that didn't get his Super Bowl championships until at the end of his career. John Elway coming in on my list at number 27, two-time Super Bowl champion, nine-time Pro Bowler, first-team All-Pro just once in his career, but he played uh, during an era that had quite a few good quarterbacks there, and we'll get to a couple more uh, probably coming up in this list. Uh, NFL's most valuable player once uh, in 1987, uh, but he has 51,000 passing yards, 33 rushing touchdowns uh, in in his career, but uh, obviously he's remembered with the drive uh, against the Cleveland Browns uh, back in his heyday, but uh, John Elway, one of the best quarterbacks and one of the toughest football players to have ever played this game, he makes my list at 27. And a guy that was in the same draft as him, John Elway was drafted number one uh, in the 1983 draft. Uh, This guy was taken a little bit later at pick number 27. Dan Marino coming in at number 26. Nine-time Pro Bowler, three-time first-team All-Pro, four-time second-team All-Pro, most valuable player in 1984, 420 career passing touchdowns, over 60,000 passing yards, 61,361 to be exact. Dan Marino is one of the top players that a lot of people probably would put higher on their list if he had won one Super Bowl. Uh, when you talk about some of the best quarterbacks to have ever played the game, Dan Marino is the poster boy that if he would have just won one, he's honestly probably a top five for a lot of people. Extremely talented, threw the ball all over the place uh, with, with the Miami Dolphins, made just one Super Bowl early in his career and just could not get back, even with Don Chula as his head coach, for the majority of his career. But, you know, it's unfair 
because Dan Marino, I think, is one of the best players of all time, and I think he unfairly gets knocked down quite a bit, uh, not only in top players of all time, but also top quarterbacks of all time because he doesn't have that one Super Bowl ring. Uh, it wasn't because of him, that's for sure. But Dan Marino coming in on my list at number 26, and he's one of those quarterbacks that I think would, if he was playing in today's game, he'd easily be lighting it up still. He, whatever he, while he did in the 80s and the 90s, he could do in today's game right now. Number 25, we have a current player coming in at number 25, and he's a running back. Adrian Peterson coming in at number 25. And I know this might be maybe a little bit controversial for, for some of the listeners out there, but when Adrian Peterson was in his prime, best running back in the game, one of the most fearsome running backs in the game, physical running back, uh, and he's still kind of getting it done. He over 1,000 yards last year, surprised a lot of people with Washington last year. Seven-time Pro Bowler, four-time first-team All-Pro, three-time second-team All-Pro, most valuable player in 2012. And that was when he tore his ACL late in the season prior. He comes back and wins the MVP. He literally carries the Minnesota Vikings to the playoffs. Almost broke the uh, rushing record that year for most rushing yards in a single season. Adrian Peterson is one of the most physically gifted running backs. He can beat you with his speed, with his elusiveness, and with his pure power and strength. Has some off-the-field issues going on, but when we're talking just straight up play on the field, Adrian Peterson is one of the best running backs to have ever graced the football field. So that's why he comes in at number 25 on this list. Number 24, we're going uh, way back in the day to the 30s. Bronco Nagurski coming in on my list at number 24. Chicago Bear, three-time NFL champion, four-time first-team All-Pro, three-time second-team All-Pro, led the NFL in rushing touchdowns in 1932, 30s all-decade team, and a part of the 75th anniversary All-Time team. You look at his numbers, ah, just 2,778 rushing yards, eh, just 25 rushing touchdowns, had a 4.4 yards per carry average. Dude was tough as nails, though. One of the fiercest uh, running backs in the game. Good luck tackling this guy a lot of times. Bronco Nagurski, uh, again, doesn't get uh, a lot of attention, and I think a lot of it is because his playing days were in the 30s. Uh, we're all about kind of more recent type of players. But one of the more physically gifted and one of the best players in NFL history, number 24, Bronco Nagurski. Coming in at number 23, we're going to go to the defensive side, middle linebacker Ray Lewis, Baltimore Ravens, two-time Super Bowl champion, 13-time Pro Bowler, Seven-time first-team All-Pro, three-time second-team All-Pro, two-time Defensive Player of the Year, 2000s All-Decade Team, amassed over 2,000 tackles, 41.5 quarterback sacks, 31 interceptions, 17 forced fumbles, uh, and 20 fumble recoveries. Again, maybe a little bit more of a polarizing figure for, for a lot of people out there. But on the field, he was dominant with those Baltimore Ravens teams from 96 to 2012. Again, off the field stuff, especially in his early part of his career. But on the field, just talking about on-field play, Ray Lewis was one of the best middle inside linebackers in the history of the NFL. And when he was in his prime, was one of the best, if not the best defensive player more times than not on the field in the, the late 90s, early to mid-2000s. So Ray Lewis 
Baltimore Ravens linebacker coming in on my list at number 23. Coming in at number 22, we've got another current player, quarterback Drew Brees. Uh, right now with the New Orleans Saints, started off his career with the San Diego Chargers. Drew Brees, though, coming in on my list, Super Bowl champion, Super Bowl MVP, 12-time Pro Bowler, uh, just making uh, first-team All-Pro once, four-time second-team All-Pro. But, again, he's playing during an era where quarterbacks are putting up some big numbers right now. But uh, he led the NFL in passing yards seven times in his career, led the NFL in passing touchdowns four times in, in his career. Right now he has the most career passing yards in NFL history, most career pass completions in NFL history. So, And he's just going to keep setting more records the more he plays right now. Uh, Drew Brees, talk about one of his stories. Is he too small to play in the NFL? Drafted by the Chargers. Then the Chargers, maybe not that high on him, draft Phillip Rivers. Drew Brees goes to have a, a solid season with the Chargers, then suffers that shoulder injury. New Orleans still wants to sign him. Sean Payton wants to sign him. They take the chance on him. The, there's all that story that goes around that we hear quite a bit surrounding Drew Brees. You know, Nick Saban was the head coach of the Miami Dolphins. He had a big pick between Drew Brees or Dante Culpepper. Felt better about Culpepper's knee injury than he did with Drew Brees' shoulder. Well, as they say, the rest is history. Drew Brees, one of the best quarterbacks of all time, and, and he does it a lot on anticip, you know, feel anticipation. You watch him play it. Sometimes he just he can't see the receiver because he's a little bit shorter, but he trusts his receivers, and the timing is to a T. That's why he's one of the most accurate passers in the game, but also one of the best leaders in the game uh, as well. So Drew Brees coming in at number 22 on my list. The last player on my list for this episode of the Man Cave Football Podcast, going quarterback again, and we're going with Green Bay Packer, not Aaron Rodgers. It's Brett Favre coming in at number 21 on my list. Super Bowl champion, 11-time Pro Bowler, three-time first-team All-Pro, three-time second-team All-Pro, three-time MVP, won them three years in a row. The only player to do that led the NFL in passing yards uh, twice, touchdowns four times, uh, has, the, has the honor, I guess you could say, of at one point holding the most uh, touchdown passes in NFL history, but he also holds the record for most interceptions in, in NFL history. Did break uh, passing yards uh, record as well, has over 71,000 of those. You were never out of a game with Brett Favre as your quarterback. Never out of the game. Uh, gunslinger, uh he could, he made it exciting playing that game. I don't know what else you can say about Brett Favre other than you had to sit on the edge of your seat every time he was out there. Early part of his career, he could be running around, making diving touchdown plays, getting into little scrums with opposing players, tackling his own teammates in celebration. One of the most uh, uh, fun players to watch in the NFL uh, but also one of the most fiercest competitors. And, of course, we know his record of starts in the NFL. Uh, that's a record I don't know if it will ever be passed uh, again by a quarterback in the NFL, his consecutive streak mark. But uh, Brett Favre, one of the best quarterbacks to have ever played this game, coming in at number 21 on my list. So to recap, 40 through 21. Coming at number 40, Chuck Butnerick. 39, Jim Parker. 38, Jack Lambert. 37, Jim Thorpe. 36, Joe Thomas, offensive lineman. 35, Randy Moss. 34, Emmett Smith. 33, Dick Night Train Lane. 32, Merlin Olson. 31, 
Bruce Smith, number 30, Bob Lilly, number 29, Deion Sanders, number 28, Gail Sayers, 27, John Elway, 26, Dan Marino, 25, Adrian Peterson, 24, Bronco Nagurski, 23, Ray Lewis, 22, Drew Brees, and 21, Brett Favre. We've got one more episode of the top 100 players of NFL history, in my opinion, coming up. Who makes the top 20? Make sure you are subscribing to the Man Cave Football Podcast so you don't miss out on that episode. Uh, You can subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. Google Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, all that good stuff. Uh, make sure you're subscribing and, you know, maybe leave a positive review while you're at it. But uh, I'm Dan Casper, and this is the Man Cave Football Podcast. Join us next time as we reveal the top 20 NFL players of all time, according to me. I'm Dan Casper.